Welcome to the Dividend Cafe weekly market commentary focused on dividends in your portfolio and dividends in your understanding of economic life. Hello and welcome to today's COVID and Markets podcast brought to you by the Dividend Cafe of the Bonson Group. Today is Tuesday, September the 1st, and we enter a new month, the final trimester of the year. Um, in a remarkably different country in a lot of ways uh, than, than we entered the last trimester. You remember when we came into the month of May, uh, we were still really um, at, at kind of peak levels, maybe a little bit off of peak levels in terms of COVID infections and hospitalizations and daily mortalities throughout the month of April um, had been you know, utterly disastrous. And, and it's been adventurous four months, not just in markets, uh, which is my primary focus, but it's, it's been really informative, I think, around our country's uh, digestion of the coronavirus. And, and so I'm going to talk about some of that here today and give you all market info. And then, um, again, my commitment through this missive and, and my communication has been to also cover some of the kind of directly, even if peripheral, still directly connected subjects that touch COVID markets, such as the Fed, public policy, housing, and things like that. And I have a few comments on that today as well. So the market started the first day of September today, up over 200 points. The um, percentage return in the Dow and the S&P was exactly the same. It's been a little while since we've seen that. Uh, NASDAQ was up a a bit more. Um, And some of the markets kind of increase came in the final half hour trading and even more of it in the final hour and a half of trading. So um, you got you got some buying action later into the day. Uh, But let me let me get into some of the covid uh, stuff. I think the drop in new cases um, has slowed down, meaning cases had dropped quite a bit. And that dropping of cases, the rate of of drop has slowed, that's expected. Um, new cases may be a flat line, but hospitalizations, mortalities continue declining. Um, and I think that that points to the idea of, of a case level that is uh, uh, functioning with different math than, than the hospitalization and mortalities, both on the way up and the way down, and both in a favorable sense, by the way, point to the less symptomatic and less lethal nature of the cases that are currently being tested. Um, there is growing you know, discussion about the testing itself, how many um, false positives are out there, how many uh, barely positive, meaning uh, very low symptomatic and, and low risk of transmission. But you know, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable saying that we don't fully know on all those fronts. I, I do think that that stuff becomes a little bit less intense once you accept the premise that I've accepted for some time now that uh, severity of sickness, uh, hospitalization, resource utilization, equipment utilization, and of course, the ultimate tragedy of the loss of human life has to be the things that drive us here. So therefore, debating in the weeds about the cases and, and, and some of those things is, is a little less, I guess, relevant. But um. I do think it's interesting as we look at the American dynamic this summer and how you had a big increase of cases in some of those states 
a lot of the forecast for just skyrocketing mortalities and things that did not happen. Um, that now we uh, an increase of in Europe in cases has followed pretty much along the same percentage lines, and there hasn't been a lot of talk about it. And, and I guess there's different reasons that that could be. I'm not sure, but um, there there are some that are predicting this this you know at least they're not so much predicting, but they're confused by why there's such a low mortality metric out of the European countries as they've experienced now a late summer increase. And, and I'm a little confused why they're confused because you would think that the low mortality rates would be the expectation based on the U.S. experience this summer and that the various factors, whether you think it's one, two, or all of the above of better treatment, healthier people being infected and perhaps a less severe strain of virus, regardless of which of those or all of those that you might subscribe to, you would you would think that you would apply that to the European cases as we have in the U.S. But um, either way, the dynamic has played out in Europe. You probably haven't heard a lot about it. New cases and 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 most of these cases now are in a total subsiding phase. Some are still seeing growing case growth, but most are seeing it rapidly declining. And again, are not seeing that increase in mortalities, hospitalizations. So great news for our friends across the pond. Um, I do have a, a link in, in covidmarkets.com today, a really provocative article of the CFA Institute, uh, specifically from their director at the Research Foundation. And it's co-authored with the chief investment officer at the San Diego Employment Retirement Pension um, that looks at the dangers of COVID. And then because we do economics here, it looks at the dangers that are not specific to COVID um, from COVID, and, and it gets into the old economic principle, uh, Frederick Bastiat's uh, uh, concept of the law of the unseen versus the seen. Henry Hazlitt popularized it when he wrote additionally about the broken window fallacy. But essentially, they look at all the things we can see from COVID as health risks, primarily coronavirus deaths, and then what you don't see, in, and I want to put a price tag in in both medical and life, human, and then economic terms around some of the, the side effects of everything else that is going on. Um, and it's fascinating and I think a good read. So I'll encourage you to look at that. Uh, but by way of chart action, you can see um, the ongoing trend line for new cases rapidly dropping, the trend line for new deaths dropping. And then of course, the trend line for hospitalizations been dropping for some time. Hospitalizations are excuse me, uh, positive rates are right now down around uh, the, the 5% range or, or so. And so that's just really, really encouraging. And, and yesterday was the first time that we got a number um, into the fours in the positivity rate. And then let me see here, as we're doing this, I'll give you, um, well, something's off in the numbers being published because they are right now, right now publishing that we have 18,000 tests done today and 41,000 positives out of 18,000 tests. So let's just hope that uh, Johns Hopkins has not got ac accurate information right now. Um, but anyways, in terms of a few other quick issues on the data, um, as I mentioned, 4.4% positivity rate yesterday being the lowest we've seen. And um, I did put a chart up 
just as far as where that most rapid decline in cases has taken place. Um, and, and you'll see those hotspot states in the summer and just the, uh, that we've called the fact states. And right now, the 13% week-over-week decline in Texas, the 13% week-over-week decline in California, 22 23% Florida. It's just something to behold. So um, covidmarkets.com for that information. On the market front, quickly, uh, you really, really have to look to the equal weight S&P 500 index right now for a good indicator on the breadth in the market and whether or not there's a, a declining reliance on big tech in market leadership. Um, the even weight S&P 500 is not back to its highs. Uh, however, it uh, has moved up dramatically, which is good news. It's showing a more you know, democratized leadership in the market. Um, it, it had hit a higher level in June and then had dropped from there, even as the overall market was going higher around the strength of big tech. And then it spent the month of August kind of regaining back towards June level was. And, and so from here, I think to really get an idea about the health of the broader market, the even weight S&P is a great little metric to do so with. The dollar today dropped to a two-year low. Uh, again, adding to that thesis on, on a lot of the reflation, export, multinational names. Um, as far as the cyclical signals pointing to continued economic improvement, a resurgence of economic activity, um, the, the copper prices uh, are also uh, now at over a one-year high and, and looking to continue going. And it, 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 you just simply could not have, I mean, yeah, the weak dollar, by the way, is somewhat to blame um, or credit, depending on your view, for this reflation that we're seeing. But it could not be happening to this magnitude without some pro-cyclical conditions and backdrop. The two-year, 10-year treasury curve has widened out a bit. It's still kind of in the middle of the range. And so I would just continue to look at those metrics to get an idea for whether or not that risk-on environment is there and what it will mean to some of the non-participating sectors, the REITs, the financials, the MLPs. Um, as those yield spreads, those, the yield curve uh, widens, I think that that bodes well for those other sectors and it's held them back in the meantime. But some of the most important stuff I have in COVID markets today is related to the housing market, related to the unbelievable price appreciation percentage in the lowest tier of the market, lowest priced homes, therefore lowest income owners, and how significant their price appreciation has been, speaking to right now a perfect storm of awfulness uh, for affordability for people that are both in lower wage segments, therefore probably more impacted by the COVID dynamic, and yet have more expensive uh, barrier to entry in the housing market. Um, and I make an offer uh, to send you a, a report from uh, Edward Pinto, run, runs the um, Housing Center, American Enterprise Institute, one of the great housing research analysts of the country. I read him religiously every day and just uh, have to say a, a new report I, I'm happy to send is really staggering, where he basically shows how mortgage rates are down significantly from January, and I think everyone knows that. But your monthly cost of ownership now is actually the same, maybe even a couple bucks higher because prices have moved up so much to compensate for that lower rate. And it just perfectly and mathematically and symmetrically reinforces 
how tied to interest rates housing prices are. And, and I think that we have to be extremely cautious about that. This is as textbook a definition of a seller's market in residential real estate that we've seen in 15 years. Um, and then in terms of the Fed, a couple comments there. Uh, just it ties into mortgage. I'll share it here and then I'll be quiet. But um, over $1 trillion, $1 trillion with a T of mortgage bonds have been bought since March. Um, they now own 30% of the U.S. mortgage agency mortgage uh, market. Okay, 30% of the mortgage bonds in the country, Fannie, Freddie, et cetera, owned by the Federal Reserve. Absolutely staggering. So um, I'll, I'll bid you adieu here. Futures are up just a couple of points, you know, barely up at all. They just opened a few minutes ago. Uh, so plenty of time for there to uh, be a little more action overnight, but I don't have any reason to think there will be or won't be. But in the meantime, I, please, I welcome all your questions and um, we continue to look to the ever-changing policy dynamics from various governors and policy leaders around what's happening. That is the story right now of COVID. Um, the story of COVID is not about um, health-related issues in the United States. It's all about what the policy response is and, and will be from those who are in charge. And we will continue monitoring as closely as we can to give you the best information we can here at COVID and Markets. Thank you for listening. The Bonson Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free risk. There is no guarantee that the investment process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Bonser Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Bonson Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for any related questions.